Hello and welcome to the Guns on Pegs podcast. My name is George Brown and I'm the editor at Guns on Pegs. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Chris Horn, managing director at Guns on Pegs. Say hello, Chris. Hello. Now, Chris, before we go any further, we need to address the slightly longer gap between episodes than there usually is. Tell the people what's been going on. The honest truth or the the, the sort of corporate truth? Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> We've been shooting a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about this. The, the end of the season got rather busy, uh, uh, but we also had a, a couple of minor hiccups when trying to record one episode, but we'll gloss over that. But more importantly, we had our podcast shoot day on Monday. Yeah. Uh, wow. What a way to end the season, hey? It was, uh, yeah, one of the best days out I've had shooting for a really long time, actually. I, I really enjoyed it. It was such a lot of fun. And our guest today was unable to join us, which is gutting, but he, <laughs> yeah. he missed an absolute cracker. And um, yeah, to, to, to get to meet uh, some other members of the most... Uh, the the order of the the most honourable I can't get my words the most up. noble order of the garters Chris <laughs> uh, but people who own some garish garters like George and I do uh, that we've given out uh, to have that time together on the shoot day and just sort of finish the season in style was just a really epic way of doing it and yes the organisation was pretty tough but it's very tempting to do it again yeah I mean well I I want to do it again um, but I think we should also on air say a huge thank you to uh barney and jaunty at stockton for laying on what was a surprisingly slick day given that they had 20 of us to herd around the estate and we were all on broadcast rather than receive i think <laughs> they did a fantastic job and we just had a a, a wonderful wonderful day it was just hell of yeah, a shoot isn't a it? lot of fun and like you say lots really nice to hook up with some of the most loyal listeners and just have a day out it was great yeah yeah, very now, good. Chris, you mentioned that our guest couldn't make it, but you'd probably better tell everyone who our guest is. I, I shall. So our guest today uh, is the chief designer of the much-talked-about Ineos Grenadier. Uh, and he's he's the most important man behind it, uh, behind the guy that paid for it all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's famous in the design world, but uh, entirely new to the automotive sphere. Uh, and he didn't actually learn to drive till he was 30 years old. Uh, he trained as an architect and has designed some of the world's most finest super yachts. Uh, but most importantly, I think, he loves a day out shooting. Uh, so <laughs> a huge yeah. warm welcome to Toby Equier. Oh, thank you very much. And thanks for um, rubbing in how fantastic your day was <laughs> that I wasn't actually able to attend in the end. So, um, yeah, I feel really great about that. Thank well, you. <laughs> it, it was a real shame that you weren't able to be there uh, and you were missed, not least because we did have the Grenadier there on the day. And there were a lot of people expressing their admiration. Uh, and I'm sure that lots of them would have uh, been keen to ask you a lot of questions about. Yeah, lots, lots of difficult questions that <laughs> I probably didn't know the answer to. <laughs> I tell you what, though, it's great having the Grenadier there. I mean, I've sat in it at the game fair, but I'd never actually been in it on and around a shoot. And just silly things like uh, the sort of, I don't know what percentage the back door is, the little door, you know, the little back door. Yeah, um, yeah 30%. Yeah. 30% of the back door is the little back door. But um, just when you're getting in and out of a shoot on a hill and you've got to swing open a big heavy back door, get your cartridges and your gun out, just being able to open the little one and slide it out is it's just an awesome touch. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lo I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to design features a bit later on. It, but yeah, um, it was great to have it there. And it's a shame that you couldn't have been there to uh, 
to, to field some of the questions that we didn't know the answers to. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'd have been able to do much help, but um, you know, I really appreciated the invitation anyway, so I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let's try and soften the blow a little bit and have a drink. Um, Toby, uh, we like to kick things off by asking our guests one simple question. What's that you're drinking? Well, when I knew I was going to do this, I um, I did deliberate because a lot of shooting, as you know, is is basically a lot of drinking as well. And um, and I was trying to pinpoint one particular drink uh, was was a bit tricky. And um, and actually, I went for a classic, which was the um, I actually had a tiny little bit left at this end of the season, um, and I just went for a, a Fox Denton Slow Gin because. Oh. Actually, you know, you drink all sorts of things on a shoot. And for me, this is the the thing that always sort of signifies the beginning of a fantastic shoot day is choosing your peg through drinking a glass of gin at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> it's just the perfect, perfect start of the day as far as I was concerned. I've also got some whiskey here as well, because that plays a big part in it as well. So <laughs> when this is finished, I'll be moving on to that. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, yeah, slow gin is just an absolute classic, isn't it? And I... Oh, yeah. Uh, we might be talking about slow gin a bit later on. So I think we'll move swiftly on. Chris, what have you got? Uh, so uh, I've got a drink um, which goes back many years uh, in my life. I think when I was young. Uh, so basically, I've got uh, a Woodford's Wherry. Uh, I don't know if you know that one, Toby, but uh, I've, I know it. But it's a good uh, Norfolk or a Suffolk lager. Norfolk, Norfolk yeah, Norfolk well, the, bitter. The, I shouldn't say lager. Based on on you know the, the sort of Norfolk Wherry boat, which is very famous up there. So when we were younger, we used to go on on uh, holidays on the Norfolk Broads, uh, and I was far too young. And Dad would have uh, a Woodford Wherry, and uh, yeah, I just sort of just nostalgic to me. Nothing more than that, uh, but like shooting, you know. Uh, you know, growing up shooting with dad and all the rest of it. And then, you know, it's just one of those one of those beers that I just got very fond memories of on family holidays. So I've got one of those and it's very enjoyable. George, what have you got? Well, I'm afraid I've not been terribly well organized today. It's all been slightly frantic. Uh, and so I just we, we were in the office today for our team meeting, which is why I haven't got my usual whiskey, which is sitting on the side at home. So I just had a quick look in the cupboards in the office because there's normally something lurking there. There's quite a lot lurking there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to open the bottle of fancy red wine that I found. George, you were, but you didn't have a corkscrew. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, I've got something called High Bird Bitter, uh, <laughs> brewed exclusively for the Ayot shoot. I know nothing further than that, except that it's... Found its way into the office. Found cupboard. its way into the office and that it is palatable when warm. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've come out on top. Uh <laughs> I could it could have gone a lot worse with my poor organisation. You can for, so from our this tells you a bit about our company. There's more beer in our office cupboards than there are files. Um, <laughs> uh, we haven't made much of a dent in it in recent times, having not been there much. But we'll start today. Yeah, right. So we've all got a drink, uh, Toby. We're going to put you to work now. Uh, this is the segment where we ask our listeners to send in their shooting quandaries, queries, and dilemmas, and we try to resolve them. It's called "Whose Bird Is It Anyway." If we can't resolve them, we at least try to offer something approaching useful advice and <laughs> usually fall some way short of that. So this week's submission comes from across the pond uh, and it comes from somebody I shall call Chad. He writes, I've been shooting for most of my life and for the past 25 years or so, I've enjoyed simulated driven shoots as well as continental shoots here in the USA. I'm currently looking to buy a matched pair of Purdy's and when travel restrictions ease, come to London and have Campbell's of Bewley make me some shooting attire. My plan is to buy days through guns on pegs 
and come to the UK several times a year. I mean, he's winning brownie points. Yeah, he sounds like he's got a bit of cash as well. <laughs> My quandary is the following. Am I going to appear as the ostentatious American showing up to a shoot with a matched pair of Purdy's and bespoke shooting suit? I want to develop friendships in the UK and don't want to get off on the wrong foot. <laughs> This is uh, that, that sounds like a, a massive ask for some shooting, please. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Toby? I must admit, when I first started, I, you know, it's you see, you see these characters turn up with with all the gear and not very much of an idea, and um, and I kind of think, you know, it's easy to fall into that trap. But actually, you know, the thing that gets you invited back and the thing that gets you on the shoots is actually being a good egg and. And uh, and being being a handy shot, I think. So I wouldn't worry too much about buying a a bespoke suit and a uh, and a pair of matching guns. I think, yeah, you because know, really the only people who look at your guns are, are you. Yeah. And um, you need to shoot with something that's that's comfortable, and you need to be comfortable. And if and if that makes you comfortable, then then absolutely fine, crack on. But I don't think it's a necessity. Yeah. So I guess I'd say you've got to judge the shoot. I mean, it doesn't sound like this chap's likely to be attending little farm shoots like mine. But if you turned up on a, you know, on a fairly low key shoot in your matching shooting suit with your pair of purdies, you're probably going to look one a little bit overgunned, and and not many other people are going to be wearing matching tweed. Probably the opposite, if I'm honest. So it's all about judging where you're going to be and who you're going to be with. But I, I think Toby's on something here because you're absolutely right. It's about how you carry it off. You can turn up on wearing nice gear. That that, that would doesn't matter where you turn up, providing you don't sort of turn up with an attitude which is yeah. wrong for the situation. So uh, what you wear and what you shoot with, quite frankly, makes no difference whatsoever. It's it's no. how you then act with it, isn't it? And it, and it is better to be overdressed than underdressed, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think you've got to have a certain level of skill? Do you think you have to be quite good to show up with all the gear? No, I don't. But, but I think it, if if you do turn up with all the gear, then there is an expectation that you're actually rather good. But if um, you turn up and say, "Look, I have all the gear and I, all the gear, and I've got no idea," people love you instantly because you know everyone loves someone who's quite humble on a shoot day. Yeah. But I think it is about humility. You're dead right. It's it's just about it's about honesty, isn't it? It's about saying, "Look, I've got all this stuff. I don't know what I'm doing." Yeah, yeah. Can but, you give me a bit of advice? <laughs> you know, but but they maybe don't tell people you have a pair. Actually, don't ever tell anyone you have a pair no. of purdies. You wait for people to find it out, and you never talk about it. The trouble no. is, is the moment they do find out, your bar bill goes up, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had an incident on a shoot once where um, I turned up in a nice car, and um, and uh, during the shoot they had the, the the obligatory fine for someone shooting a um, I don't know woodcock or white partridge or a guinea fowl, and um, and on this day this chap turned up behind me and said, uh, "Well, congratulations, sir. you you shot the uh, the guinea fowl." I was like, "I'm." dead sure i didn't i'm pretty sure i can identify a guinea fowl <laughs> and um he said yes i know you're dead right sir I said uh so but you're you're the idiot that turned up in a nice car so uh, you're the one who gets the fight <laughs> i, yeah, I like a polite version of what you said <laughs> <laughs> i like that attitude towards fines though at the end of the podcast day on monday uh i whipped round for the country Free trust and basically find people pretty much for 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 sort of looking at me funny uh <laughs> 
Um, but we we managed to make quite a bit of money for CFT, and, and no one complained, so it was very good. No, of course, it's all part of it, isn't it? <laughs> What was the figure for the CFT? Uh, 320 quid, I think. Ah, nice. Yeah, it's a nice little whip round. Can we conclude our advice? Yeah. <laughs> go on, Toby, have a go. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd say you know, if you feel comfortable wear, wearing a bespoke suit, then then crack on, um, but you know, with a bit of humility and uh, be prepared to have the, the, the mickey taken a little bit. But um, you know, if that's what makes you comfortable, great, but it's not essential, would be my with my advice and don't tell anyone you've got a pair of purdies yeah exactly but by all means get some <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely yeah definitely don't i mean I, we that should be encouraged if you can afford it <laughs> keep, keep the gun trade going but there is something quite cool about having really rubbish guns and still being really good there, there is yeah <laughs> right chris have you got an unpopular opinion for us i do um so it comes from someone we shall call gordon uh he writes homemade slow gin and their ilk, are nearly all universally dreadful and are made by people who think they're some sort of wild man forager. Just buy the damn stuff from the supermarket and stop posturing. Mm. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. I, th- I, I think this listener is personally attacking you, George. I would take this personally if I were you. <laughs> is it from you, Chris? <laughs> it, it isn't, actually, unfortunately. I should make one up that attacks George. Uh, I like that idea. Thank you, Toby. Um, <laughs> um, but, Toby, do you make homemade slow gin? Well, actually, this year it was the first year that I have because of, I, I live in uh, the New Forest and during lockdown, uh, we had the sort of run of a of a uh, of Exbury estate, which was really really lovely. But normally it's it's swamped with people taking all the slows, and and of course last time uh, during lockdown there was there was nobody there, so there was an abundance of things. things. So we thought, well, yeah, it'd be rude not to. So we had a go at it, and uh, we did taste it this year, and thought it probably needs a bit more time. But I'm, I'm not really sure that's ever going to help. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I do sympathise with uh, was, it, was it Gordon? <laughs> yeah, I can see why George has called him Gordon. I mean, he's, that's a made-up name, but um, yeah. to, to, to protect the identity <laughs> of this outspoken person with their wrong opinion. But <laughs> I mean, it has to be said. I've had. I mean, I love making slow gin, as I've made clear on the podcast before. But I have had some absolutely undrinkable ones. Yeah, they have some. I've had some really bad ones. It's quite hard to get. I thought it's quite hard to get it that wrong. Well, there's quite. <laughs> if you've got it really wrong, you just have to take it and go. It's it's crap. Fire but if it's not great, just add more sugar and it'll be fine. That 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 is good advice. That I agree with you there. <laughs> just add sugar generally. Yeah. <laughs> <to> anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so this person has insulted all three of us. Uh. I mean, but but he's sort of saying, buy the buy the stuff in the supermarket, stop posturing. But but yeah. what do we think of supermarket slow gins? I mean, I see. Yeah, I no, not good. But you're you're he's not maybe he's not suggesting Fox Denton is supermarket because I do think that there's lots of really great, not quite artisan, but also not quite homemade, not quite supermarket. They kind of sit in the middle. John T, who we had, who we were with on yeah. on uh, at Stockton, he makes a great range. Fox Denton, Ray's Thorpe. Ray's Thorpe. Ray's Thorpe stuff's epic, actually. It's quite different to the Fox Denton stuff. Yeah, the Cotswold Drinks Company, they make some... We're going we're gonna to upset someone and if we keep going down this route because we're not going to name them all. I know, but I, I, I had some, um, I think it was blackberry uh, gin that I was given on a shoot, which was delicious. Um, but what was interesting is they gave you a little bottle to take home 
So then, well, it's quite a long drive home. You start looking at it in your little <laughs> takeaway bag, and it's very tempting. But I, I think there's a place for for it, absolutely. And um, and I think supermarket gin, you know, it's probably not the best place to sort of judge other people's gin by, to be honest. And also, he's slow gin's kind of the only stuff you really find in the supermarket. All the variations, like you've just referred to. That's kind of what makes it cool. We we, we had um, Toby Fitchner Irvine on the pod not long ago, uh, and and gosh, what does he have up there? They have strawberry gin and raspberry vodka that they serve <laughs> at Elevens's, and then he's got his rusty nails as well. Uh, and you know that's the stuff where I think it gets really cool. So if you can venture away from slow gin slightly, sometimes, yeah, I, I think it's it's all worth trying. And um, you know, some some are going to be bad and some are going to be good, but. I think it's uh, it's worth encouraging. I think so. So Gordon, who's probably listening to this, and he's not called Gordon, uh, has just had his opinion unanimously shot down by all three. Yeah, of us. up yours, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. Jordan, how much beer have you had? Jordan, who's Jordan? <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, Gordon, it's unpopular. <laughs> right. So finally, we've got shooting heroes, which is our new feature that we talked about in the previous episode, and I've got to say we've had loads of nominations in already and it's been quite tricky to choose just one for today's episode but to everyone who sent one in uh, we'll keep them on file and we'll make sure that we get through them but here's the one we've decided to go with uh, and we've chosen this one because we think it probably rings true for quite a lot of people listening Chris will you do the honours? Yeah absolutely so this one comes from from Gabriel that's his real name is it? It is his real name. Goodness Gabriel you lucky man right so he writes uh my shooting hero is my father. Here, here. I think we can all, many of us listening who will agree with that. So, although he's not the best gun, he writes, <laughs> subtle insult right in the first line, he's done everything in his power to ensure that I have the skills needed to be a good gun and young sportsman. He's not only instilled a passion for shooting, but for conservation as well. He has returned to school to get his degree in wildlife management and is passing all of his knowledge to me, which has furthered my passion for, for the shooting sports. I could not be more grateful for the memories, experiences and skills being passed down to me. Because of him, I will not only know how to have a good time shooting, but it has given me the gift of knowing how to feed myself off the land and pass down this great tradition. I'm not sure if my father is a member of the garter or not. He is an avid listener, but either way, it would be an honour to gift him a set of garters for his role in my life as a sportsman. Absolutely. Uh, he can have a set of garters. He didn't give us his name. We should have given him a shout out. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Toby, it is the case that many of us come into shooting through a parent or a grandparent or something mm. like that. Is that also true of you? No, not at all, actually. I mean, I think, I mean, my grandfather shot a little bit, um, but the rest of my family were, were not in, in that sort of world at all. And actually just listening to, to that, you, I had a certain... And I know, probably a bit of envy, really, that, uh, you know, I, I didn't have that sort of relationship and that, you know, wasn't sort of gifted down to me. Um, and I just think that'd be absolutely incredible to to have that in, in your life. I was, um, yeah, I think it was a very good, good egg and worthy of many garters, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the other thing that's impressive here is that um, he's gone back to school to get a degree hmm. in wildlife management, presumably comparatively late on in life. Yeah, it must be. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, yeah. 
he he sounds like a, a good coach as a dad for someone that shoots. You know, when you're standing there, I think you, you yeah, you certainly have family brought you in shooting, yeah, and, yeah. and I did too. And and standing there on the peg with your dad, you kind of anything he says is absolute gospel at that age. Yeah, yeah. and do you know what? You remember in the previous episode with Sam, we had the uh, story about the dad who flew off the handle because he wasn't allowed to double gun on the peg. How not? Yeah, that, wrong, he, this, is, this is how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so but, true. But actually, actually, looking at it from, from the other side, my, my girlfriend's lad is sort of 15 and, and he's massively passionate about shooting, countryside, all that kind of stuff. And I've been able to probably do all the things that I didn't have when, when I was a nipper. Um, I've been able to sort of introduce him to shooting and he beats regularly, does all that sort of stuff. And he's looking to go off to agricultural college um, in at Sparshot. Uh, we're off there on Saturday to go and kind of look at it all. And, you know, it was, I suppose it's it's me sort of um, kind of projecting onto him what I wished I'd had. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's really receptive and he, he's a annoyingly good shot as well which is which is great yeah hopefully one day he'll be writing into you guys <laughs> that's so good to hear because I, I it's all flooding back to me now having read that out and and thinking the memories that i just lapped up at that age um even i remember i don't i remember going coming out the end of a drive beating uh and i was just convinced that i had sent a particular bird towards my dad who was a gun and it was it was like the highlight of my day i remember it vividly now and and obviously there's probably no chance that it was the bird that dad shot or whatever. But, you know, those are the <laughs> things that you really remember uh, because and then he'd be like, no, you must go over there, do this and how to act and all the rest of it. Yeah. Amazing. But it, but it's so important to, to see both sides of it, I think, you know, be a gun, but also be be a beater and, you know, go and help the gamekeepers in the off season and yeah. put the feet yeah. down and do all, all of the stuff that you know, we've all done. Um, you know, I think that's massively important rather than just sort of, buying your way into into a peg and yeah and then you're, you're allowed to sort of if you if you can afford to you're allowed to sort of stop the beating when when from when you're younger and then just shoot because yeah, you'll save up enough yeah <laughs> if you, exactly on, on the podcast day on monday we it was a walk three stand three uh rather than walk on stand where we uh just did three and then swap round and uh and the night before uh uh Barney asked, as, as, when was the last time, you know, has anyone been beating recently? And someone said to my dad, when was the last time you went beating? He was like, 45 years ago. Well, and you know, the <laughs> other thing he said on the day is, you know, the, I think the last time I walked up any birds, they were grouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's allowed the privilege, I think. But yeah, it was quite funny making him go beating again. I enjoyed that. He said he really enjoyed it, actually. He, he really enjoyed it because he was in my team. And yeah, he, he was really getting into it. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, I... I loved it too. And I haven't been beating in a while. You know, if I'm lucky to get uh, days out and shooting, whether out beating or shooting is a bit of a privilege away from the desk. And, yeah. and, and, and when we were beating up that drive where it was a proper drop off at the end and it was all getting rather exciting. I think it was a pretty decent drive, but it's very difficult to tell from the other side of the line, but it was, it was, it was awesome fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, I, I agree. I think beating and, and kind of working your dog is, is, Every bit as much fun as, as being a gun, and sometimes more fun. I yeah, think, because, uh, yeah. It's a, I think it's a real privilege to do either. I'd say. So, who who would, would would you have a shooting hero? I'm putting you on the spot here, Toby. Is who's someone who who sort of stands <laughs> out, and you think he is a genuine hero? Maybe not necessary to you, but to shooting. Oh, no, that is putting me on the spot. I'll, I'll cut it no. out if you haven't got one. <laughs> no, I haven't really. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I think from a, from a sort of shooting hero point of view, that, that is a, a great submission. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose there it doesn't have to be, 
you know, the person that introduced you to shooting. It could be the keeper on the shoot that you've been a syndicate member of and he's been there since like time began. Yeah, or the chap who's come out beating every day for the last 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. And looks like he stayed out in between. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, the, the person who cooks the lunches or, you know, all those kind of things. The bloke who's been keeping the syndicate going no matter yeah. what, that kind of and, thing. And, and that guy with the dog who finds the bird that nobody can find. And um, yes. everyone looks, every dog's been through there. We and haven't then, awarded a set of dogs to an, a set of garters to an actual dog yet, have we? Well, that needs to change. <laughs> It'd be a good photo, wouldn't it? Yeah. We'd have to give it four. <laughs> two ones. <laughs> two, two pairs. <laughs> maybe a collar maybe that's oh, more yeah. practical I station. like that I money like saving that. tip we only have to give it half a pair of starters <laughs> um, very good well thank you Gabriel for sending that in yeah it was great right so Chad and Gordon and Gabriel and his dad and now you Toby are members of the most noble order of the garters and will shortly be in receipt of a set of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters what do they look like I'm dying to know (laughs) well uh, I suppose enough of the world knows now don't they they are a hot pink uh, with some blue and some oatmeal in the tassel so pink is the is it purple? Yeah, it's purple okay. and oatmeal. So well, the pink is the predominant colour, and they're very pink. Strong. You'll see yeah. someone wearing them from a mile off. So actually, if you didn't know what they looked like and you're listening to this and you see someone with them, go and ask them how they got them because there's usually a good story behind it. And who designed those? Uh, George and I, over Team a Team effort, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got to be as obnoxious as possible. Shared, shared responsibility or, <laughs> or guilt, if you prefer. Um yeah, so uh, if you've got a shooting confession, quandary, or a query that you'd like us and our guests to help you with, or an unpopular opinion, or you would like to nominate a shooting hero, uh, drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com. Now, Toby, you mentioned just now that you uh, that you it, you didn't really grow up shooting. So what was what was your route into shooting? Um, well, bizarrely, it was through fishing, really. Um, I've loved fly fishing for many, 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 many years. And that's always been my absolute passion. And um, and then as I did more of it and I got better at it, you obviously get to meet fascinating, interesting people who inevitably nearly always shot as well. So as I made friendships through fishing, then gradually you know, I got some invitations to come shooting. Um, and so that was really my sort of first sort of introduction to it. And I mucked around a little bit with some air rifles and bits and pieces, obviously had them confiscated immediately when I was a child. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, as a slightly more grown up person, um, you know, I was able to go on shoots and then realized I was terrible at it and um, went to the sort of clay, clay schools and um, realized there was, there was just as much opportunity to buy lots of new kit, lots of new clothes um just there's a whole new toy cupboard that i was I was introduced to um so I, I bought a gun and bought bought some kit and um you know got invited on more and more shoots and then that was really where it all started um and then you know through obviously the the sort of the etiquette of, of being invited and then inviting back is is slightly tricky sometimes um, when you're not earning very much money and it's all a bit of a, you know, bit of a struggle. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> so it's a crowd of us who actually all worked in the sort of super yacht industry at the time. 
um, we found ourselves shooting together a few times and we said, so look, these are actually our favourite days when we're all shooting together. Uh, and we had this idea of making a little syndicate that we all paid into every year, but we'd always have a spare peg. So systematically, all the shoots that we'd been invited on, we could invite one person back and we'd split the cost between us. <laughs> That's <laughs> very clever. Very good idea. <laughs> and, and then very quickly, we said, actually, we just like shooting with us. Um, we don't really like all these other people. <laughs> and, um, and so we just ended up just shooting together as a bunch of idiots, really. And so is uh, that syndicate still going? Yeah. And uh, we, we thought of a massively inappropriate name because we were asked once, uh, what, what, what is the name of your syndicate? And we're like, what? Well, they have names? <laughs> 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 so we made something up, which is unrepeatable. Oh, um, so it's, unbroad- <laughs> it's unbroadcast, but I can always get my pheasant sound effect out if it does turn <laughs> out. <laughs> Tell us, and if it's really bad. No, it's it. Okay, wait. <laughs> so we're all working in Holland uh, quite a lot. And obviously the Dutch have a slightly odd sense of humour and um and we all have a go at sort of mimicking the dutch accent and um and one day this guy talked to me about um he was telling some sort of joke and the punchline was uh so show each the uh, finger in the pooping hole and yeah <laughs> and so so that became our syndicate name was finger in the pooping hole <laughs> or fip as it's known <laughs> the fip and um it's it's I find it. We've got a coat of arms. We've got the whole lot. Amazing. <laughs> we've got badges with FIP, and occasionally we get asked. You know, this looks a very serious uh, concern because we have these sort of crested, <laughs> enamelled badges. <laughs> and um, so what, what does FIP stand for? And uh, so we're all terrible shots. So um, yeah, depending on who you're talking to. And um, so, yeah, we're terrible shots. So it's fly in peace because there's no danger that anything's going to get hit. (laughs) But if you look closely at the coat of arms, there's all manner of um, bad things in there. (laughs) That is, I'm so pleased you told us that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it might not make the final cut, if I'm honest. (laughs) Um, But but if it does make the final cut and uh, you're listening to this and you two have a ridiculous syndicate name, send it in. I'm in oh, yeah, I definitely want those. That'd be fun. But, I mean, it all came about because of, I guess, what was a, a syndicate and they were all like the, the Basingstoke, you know, great shots or something. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> who called themselves that? You know? <laughs> so we just thought, well, you know, something really obscure was probably better. So, but, so um, did, does your syndicate travel about much? Do, do, do you... Yeah, no, we... We, we we go all over the place really and you know we've we sort of try and choose in places that we haven't the shot before we try and do sort of five or six a year where we just you know maybe there's some that we we really really love um you know stockton's one actually that we, we've been to a few times um and monaco all these sort of places that you know you love and you know once, once you're sort of in and you're on the list mm. you don't want to sort of give that up but yeah yeah, we try different places um, all the time, and it's and it's good. You know, it's, it's all you know, the excitement of going somewhere new, and you know, the night before, the night after, the very long drive home. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have a person in the syndicate? Do, do you do you swap the sort of rotation of who organises? Or do no, you have no, we've only got one grown up who, who's Rob, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he does it all. Yeah, well, I think I think he just it's just easier that way. He doesn't sort of even ask if anyone else is interested because he just knows nothing's going to happen. It's just going to end up in a an enormous lunch, spend all the money on the lunch, and then 
then everyone's going to wonder what, why there's no shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so, to me like he might be the shooting hero. Yeah, he, he is. <laughs> yeah. Of your and he shoots all the time. I mean, I, I'm, no one really knows what he does for a living anymore because he, he spends every minute of the winter shooting. Good lad. Um, yeah, no, it's very good. I think that's what we all aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of what people do for a living, um, I want to ask you about the Grenadier. Obviously, you you're embedded in in shooting and the countryside and and so on. But could you talk a little bit about how your own personal knowledge of of shooting in the countryside has informed the design process and maybe some of the design features, I guess, as well of the Grenadier? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think, I mean, really, it's 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 the the sort of practicality of it. I think it, it probably sort of comes through, and you know, it's not just shooting; it's fishing, it's horse riding it's all those other sort of lovely country uh, pursuits that we all get involved in and um and it's having a vehicle that supports us and and actually makes our life a little bit easier and home life a little bit easier um you know i think we've all been in you know in our luxury suvs and then certainly recently when we've not had the the, the luxury of gun buses and you know, we, we climb in there between drives in our muddy boots and you kind of wincing looking at your thick carpets getting caked in mud <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I hesitate to interrotrupt but I was out shooting with Chris in, in the Cotswolds the other day and we were in a muddy situation but I've never heard anyone squeal quite so much about the mud on their carpets oh, of their nice shiny George. new Range Rover as Chris said it's unreal. <laughs> the, but, the rubber mats didn't turn up in time, so that has to be a standard in the in the Grenadier. Yeah, but, but I suppose I mean, <laughs> sort of re- rewinding a bit. I mean, you know, driving a Range Rover to shoot is is really logical because it's got all the space you need. It's comfortable, and you know, quite often you're covering a long long distance, um, and you you really want that. But when you get there, you want it to turn into a tractor and you want it to be, um, you know, super practical that you can hose out, but still do all the things it did to get you up there. So I suppose, you know, in the same way that the sort of shooting brakes were, you know, fast sort of saloon cars that then were re-coach built to, to a, be better kind of in, in, in the countryside. Um, I suppose the Grand Deer was, was a similar sort of thing that, you know, we wanted it to be comfortable we didn't want it to feel like a tractor when it was driving along the motorway you know th- there was no need for that and we wanted it to be kind of spacious so that you could have five people in there you could have a couple of dogs guns ammunition bags full of tweed um not always bespoke um <laughs> but, but th- when you actually got there you were comfortable you refreshed because you know the journey i think is a really big part of of shooting and um you know going fishing or whatever um you know talking nonsense with your with your your friends and then being able to when you get to the shoot actually drive the same vehicle cross country through fords through mud all the rest of it and then climb into it with muddy boots operate all the switches with cold freezing cold hands because you forgot your gloves um and then you know the the touch screen doesn't work or you know all that sort of stuff i think We've tried to sort of cap, make all of that really, really possible. So, so you can arrive in comfort. You can be very capable off-road, um, and and not be super precious about the the interior and the you know, your gorgeous seats and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think 
that was probably the, the sort of informative bit of the design process. And obviously you have to kind of run it through a million other scenarios as well. But that was certainly my my kind of thought all the time was like, you know, how am I going to, yeah, I'm picturing myself going shooting in it and in all the the things I worry about. <laughs> I, th- I think, um, so you just mentioned the exact scenario I found myself in on Saturday. We, we happened to be in, in one of the new defenders on a shoot in Scotland uh, and it was on the edge of storm, what's it? We're all wearing gloves and you couldn't select the diff change without this touch screen thing yeah. or, or it was set up like you had to change the panel or whatever uh and it's exact scenario i was thinking about and it made me think of buttons in the yeah. in the ceiling like you've designed which we no doubt we'll come on to in a minute but yeah i i couldn't agree more it bridges quite an interesting gap the car yeah i think so and i you know and i think it, it's just you know it's really purposeful you know there's no nonsense about it there's nothing that nothing's there because it's frivolous or it looks nice you know it's there because it's doing a job and i think you know you, you kind of need that 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 kind of um basicness in a way i mean it, you say basic is actually very very sort of refined but you know the, <laughs> there is there's that sort of honesty about it and i think that's you know the sort of purposeful nature of it lends itself very well and i mean there are features aren't there that you could do without like I'm thinking about the is it the, the safari windows, which in my head those are lamping windows. Yeah, they're absolutely <laughs> lamping windows. So I, you I don't got, need them. I got but... out. I got out the top of one of those the other day because I just wanted to try it myself, and I was like, "This is genius." Did, yeah, but, but the idea was that you could stand out of there and lamp or take a photograph or shoot shoot something, you know. So so that, that was the idea. But you know, I think there's there's a number of little sort of elements like that where you know like when you hit the off-road button it turns all the running lights off so you know now legally you know as you drive along the road you know, your new car has to have daylight uh, running lights um but obviously off-road that's no good so you know if you're chasing poachers across the the, the fields or you're you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to sneak up on something yeah it's, it's not very useful so all that sort of stuff i think is you know we've, just... we've listened to people we've you know used our own experience and we've, we've tried to sort of include it and make it as as useful as possible i think yeah i'm so glad you've done that because i mean the amount <laughs> the amount of uh pickups i've been in with black electrical tape all over the dashboard uh when we're out foxing or whatever uh lamping late at night you know if you if you can just do things like that that's that's really listening to potential users yeah. isn't it but we, we had this farmer and he, he he was talking to us and he just said yeah well when i'm creeping up on poachers i don't want them to see me till the last minute i've absolutely cornered them <laughs> it's like well good <laughs> have we got it right then <laughs> so it's basically got stealth mode yeah but the police are going to have these on order all the rural crime patrol will be in grenadiers won't they? they should be <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we've done quite a lot with the special forces guys. And, you know, they're sort of saying in the middle of the radiator grill where we've got the two sort of driving lamps, um, sort of, you know, their, their request was, can we swap them out for infrared and thermal? Oh. Um, <laughs> which again, but if you can make that available to everybody and that comes up on the screen in the middle, then that'd be amazing. Oh could, could that happen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean... Wow. <laughs> Chris is actually speechless. Where do I sign? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's amazing. So, so there's there's lots of iconic vehicles uh, in the shooting world, um, from the sort of original st- uh, estate cars, the shooting brakes. You've mentioned them already, right the way through to the Defender, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, how much an Im- of an influence were these vehicles in that design process? Well, they're, they're, they're a huge influence. I mean, all, I mean, you, you mentioned those, but you know, we looked at aircraft, we looked at unimogs, we looked at tractors, we looked at vans, we looked, you know, literally every type of vehicle that that has a, a really purposeful job to do. Um, didn't matter if it flew or floated or you know, um, it kind of drove across land. And um, you know, all of them have characteristics. All of them have practicality at their at their heart. And it was just really kind of understanding how that their sort of job, if you like, kind of came through their design and you know, what were the tiny little kind of nods to their specific job. Um, and we spent a lot of time just sort of studying, understanding, driving, just playing with these vehicles just to, to, to get a, a real understanding. And, you know, essentially, you know, it's, a, it's a sort of a, a work platform. So you want the maximum amount of interior volume. You want great off-road uh, capability, but the exterior of the vehicle needs to be as much of a, a workshop as the interior. So, you know, being able to hang things off it, rest things against it, use the you know the the wings as a as a bar top. You know, it, all of these things are, are really important because it has to work not just as a vehicle for delivering you somewhere. When, when you get there, it's part of your toolkit. And so, and a lot of off-road vehicles and um, you know, aircraft do, do exactly the same thing. They, they have very well thought out, considered layouts, functions, little kind of um, details that, that make them, them really unique. And you know, we didn't really want to sort of copy that directly, but we wanted to understand the design behind that or the thinking behind that. And then, you know, inevitably, bits of it look like other other vehicles so you know you sit inside it, it looks like an aircraft but yeah aircraft are like that so that they're really easily controlled yeah understood there's no debate as to what that switch does is it on or off you know all of that has been really really considered and thought of and you know the automotive guys are going why why are you going to so much well just buy these switches you know, but you know, does the green light mean it's on, or does it mean it's not funky? You know, yeah. <laughs> and the 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 happy upshot of that is it also looks really cool because it doesn't look like everything else. <laughs> exactly, and I think you know, there's there's a lot of vehicles that look very similar, and you know, there's for various reasons for you know every, every, every sort of department. So the guys designing the headlights, the guys designing the bumpers, you know, they all work within margins, and when all those margins add up, it adds up to quite a lot. Um, so, so we were able to sort of, because we're not a, a massive car manufacturer, we're not doing it all the time. We sort of said, well, well, let's just question all of these things. Does it really need to be that much? Does it really need to be that shape? And you know, if you keep pushing, eventually the answer is, well, no, it doesn't. It's just how we always do it. And you say, well, there is another way. That's so um, cool. And obviously, because you've come from that different world, you haven't been sort of ingrained about the way that no, people exactly. build cars. and. Um, so, so thinking about these accessories, and I alluded to one of my favourites already at the start with the with the with the sort of thirty percent door at the back, you know, the small door. Um, yeah. What what are we gonna what are we gonna see? Uh, and basically, what would you add to your grenadier already? You know, gun boxes, dog boxes. Yeah. Where are we going well, on that front? All, all of the above, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
un unlike some vehicles where the the spare wheel stored underneath the the boot space and it kills your it literally breaks your back getting it out yeah and <laughs> and you can't then put a gun drawer in there yeah. because that alone weighs more than most vehicles <laughs> <laughs> um so we we don't have that so i would definitely put a, a low profile gun drawer in in the back um obviously the dog guards um just so that my two lovely dogs don't make the back seat their new home um <laughs> so my my current car you know that's like uh, my, my oldest dog's sort of happy place she'll if i leave the door open she'll just go and sit in there it's her world and um you know just in the vain hope that we might go shooting the... <laughs> she doesn't quite understand the seasons um but um you know she's ever hopeful <laughs> but no I, I would definitely go for that i think things like the uh the sort of saddle leather steering wheel um i just really like that because it's so anti-automotive you know it's not <laughs> it's not some massively overproduced leather that won't ever stain or or get any blemishes on it you know it's it kind of lives and it, it will gain a really gorgeous patina over time and i, I think that's a i think yeah again because we're not a big multinational manufacturing automotive automotive manufacturing company you know we we don't have sort of big committees of people saying no you can't do that we just go we think that's really good and let's just do it and um you know there's all sorts of raised eyebrows um saying well you know we can't guarantee it so we're fine we'll just write a clause saying you know, if you buy that steering wheel then that's you know it's up to you to look after it <laughs> oh okay well you could you could do that <laughs> I mean, Chris is definitely on something because the shooting world does love a mod, doesn't it? And we've been hearing that it's going it's all going to be quite open source that that people are yeah. going to effectively be able to sort of design and build and market their own bolt-ons and what have yeah, you sure. for the Grenadier. Is that right? Yeah, and we've been really um open certainly in Australia so far they've they've been really uh excited and uh, and keen to to sort of get going on all the accessories, all the sort of rhubars and all the sort of stuff that's very kind of normal out there. And we've been very kind of open with our technical drawings and our, you know, all our statistics that we can then give to them and say, look, these are our, all the data we have. What, what do you think? You know, crack on. Because, you know, the, they know what works. They know what sells. You know, I, I don't think we'd ever profess to be experts in, in all areas. And so... And I think that's a really big part of vehicles like this, that people do customise them and you don't have to buy everything from the, 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 the manufacturer. Uh, you know, people can have a go and they can alter and adjust and, and kind of customise them themselves, I think. And so we, that's, it was a very sort of conscious thing very early on to, to, to encourage people to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've got visions of the the Ineos Grenadier Owners Club meetups in like twenty five, thirty years time, when you've got all these weird and wonderful modified Grenadiers. Yeah. Well, you know, the so. one with the yeah. fold out barbecue in the back or something. Yeah, but I mean, brilliant. That will take six months, surely. <laughs> so <laughs> someone will have that on there, especially on a shoot day. I think the fold out barbecue on the side of a vehicle is the most underrated yeah. shoot day accessory. I was on a shoot somewhere where they had an old army truck and they kind of pulled out this barbecue from underneath. It was like an attached to the lorry and it came out on kind of lathe tracks. And this barbecue had been cooking away all morning with these sort of pheasant kebabs on there. I thought, this is brilliant. It makes all day. We go, what is that smell? It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so cool. I absolutely love that. So we've heard that you've compared uh, a defender to a good gun dog. <laughs> Uh, did you know this was coming so can, can you explain that metaphor and, and and how's that sort of fed into the grenadier you know i mean i've, I've got a lovely gun dog and, and we we enjoy a lot of sort of walked up shooting together and um you know she's at home she's this lovely daft scruffy dog um and we'll go out shooting today and she's incredibly talented you know she's she'll flush she'll pick up she's just you know she quarters in front of you and you know, she does her job extremely well. And, um, you know, she's worked, she's in work mode. She's not, she's not the daft puppy she is at home. Um, and then at the end of the day, you come back and you're, you're cooking the birds that you've, you've shot. And, you know, it's great sort of teamwork, the two of you. But then, you know, she's curled up on the sofa, even more scruffy than she was when she started the day. A few cuts and a few bruises, but completely kind of loyal and completely dependable and and i think the sort of similarity i feel with a you know with a car like this is that it is it bizarrely becomes part of the family it's not a, an inanimate object because it enables you to go on adventures you have every time you go in it it's a journey it's not just a, a drive between a and b and and i think you know you because it's not super luxurious and it's not sort of effortless, there's, there's something engaging about it. And I think, and it's dependable and it's faithful and all those sort of things. And I think there's a really, I think it's a very good sort of um, synergy between the two that, you know, they're part of your life and they, they enable you to do things that you couldn't do without them. I love um, it. I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. <laughs> now, there's one last thing that we need to talk about. Uh, before we get on to desert island shooting and that is i mean we've sort of touched on the themes here a bit already uh we're talking about shooting heroes and so on now toby you're going to be on the judging panel for mm. the ineos grenadier countryside champion award can you just talk a little bit about what it is that you might be looking for as a judge you know i mean I, I think as we alluded to earlier on um you know with all the the hundreds of people that are involved in shooting that you know aren't just the gun um you know that it's the people that actually manage the the woodland manage the estates get involved in in all the hundreds of aspects that are, are really important to to what we all enjoy um and i think they've had a pretty hard time over the last sort of few years it's been you know desperately unfair in some cases and and i think you know there's people working tirelessly and working extremely hard to you know, with the conservation and with everything that, that we enjoy, that there's a, there's a time to sort of recognise that. And I think, you know, embodying the sort of spirit of the Grenadier, which is about sort of grit and rigour, and but, you know, with a sense of humour and a, there's a sort of a light-hearted kind of, uh, it's not all gloom and doom, and there's people in horrible positions but still managing to make everybody laugh and smile and and, and do good things. And I think... It's probably a good time to to recognise these people. They you know, now more than ever is a good time to you know, give them a pat on the back and you know, give them the recognition they they really richly deserve. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be looking for you know primarily those sort of qualities. I think. Um, I think you're spot on. So, so, so we've, well, I mean, guns on pegs and, and Ineos have created this 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 award to recognise those unsung heroes. Um, you know, whether it's 
you mentioned environmentally also socially potentially economically as well um yeah. there's some proper unsung heroes out there because i mean everyone knows yes uh you know maybe jeremy clarkson or something like that he's a he's a proper countryside champion after what he's done but he's not an unsung hero i mean he's absolutely deserves recognition but but he's not an unsung hero and we we've had some the nominations are open now we've had some amazing nominations i mean we've had some really cool ones i mean so so what we're doing is we're producing this shortlist uh and, and we essentially sort of helping to narrow down this shortlist from all the nominations mm. we get. And then we're going to bring this shortlist to you and to some of the other members of the judging panel uh, in a couple of months time. And, th and then on that judging day, decide the winner of this award. And um, I must tell you, by the way, I've, uh, the trophy uh, is the gearing from the Grenadier. And I'm mounting it on a nice piece of beach with a plaque saying you're on a really important cog in the great British country. <laughs> It looks actually really good. <laughs> and you have the, but you also have the gear and the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That's called cool. a callback. That's, cool that's going on that as well. Um, but yeah, I, George, I just allude to one of the ones you've just profiled. Cause... We've selected one of the shortlist, shortlisted nominees so far, and nominations are still open. But um, yeah, published an article this week about Crayfish Bob, who is uh, an amazing guy. I spoke to him for about two hours on on uh thursday or friday last week he is on a one-man mission to rid the uk waterways of the invasive american signal crayfish which is incredibly destructive and threatening our native crayfish and basically he says everybody eat more crayfish please and he's just an amazing guy and he's just out there doing his thing catching crayfish mm. finding outlets for them hosting pop-ups and so I guess the message to everybody is if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I know somebody who's a bit like that, uh, who's just sort of quietly working away, doing their thing, making a difference, nominate them, please. We want to know about them. It's easy to, to talk about the big names, the people who make a big song and dance. We're looking for those quiet, unassuming people out there mm. doing the stuff and, and they need are... you to tell us about them. And there because, are lots of them out there. Yeah. Yeah, but by by nature of them being quiet, exactly, we're not going to know about them. <laughs> so someone knows them, so uh, yeah. that's what we're after. So just Google Grenadier Countryside Champion. Yeah, you'll find it on gunsonpegs.com as well. I'll put a link in the description for the podcast, um, so it should be comparatively easy to find. Right, the final segment. Toby, you've got <laughs> one final day's shooting, or <laughs> weekend, or week, or whatever. Uh, unlimited budget logistics aren't a thing what are you going to go and do who are you taking with you well i i've thought about this quite a lot and i'm you know i was sort of trying to think oh, what's my best day shooting and i sort of thought actually i don't think i've ever had a bad day shooting <laughs> um, and so you know i think for me in all honesty the shooting is about the people i'm with and um and i think it doesn't really matter where where you are it's it's more about the the company the pub that you stay in the night before the pub you stay in the night after the 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 uh, something i quite enjoy is when you you first turn up and you, you're not quite on it and then you work out why you're not on it and then you're on it all day and i i love that sort of um sort of learning then i think probably my best shooting has ever been in devon um not not chartering any jets and going off to the other side of the world but i kind of think that's where i'm i'm happiest um, and probably with my inappropriately named syndicate 
plus a couple of extras that, that join in every now and again. Um, I think if I could move pubs around, I would probably stay at the Notley Arms the night before. Uh, and I'd stay at the Half Moon Inn at Sheepwash the, the night afterwards. Um, no one's ever moved it. a pub. No one's ever That's, moved a pub. I like it, shooting. I like, I like that. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Other people have taken the sort of route one, which is we'll just take a helicopter. To the pub, but move the pub. That's a good idea. <laughs> but, no, but I, I really like driving there. I love the sort of journey there. And I love all the nonsense that you talk about in the way with your daft friends and, you know, the the mischief you get up to in a service station and, you know, just all the stupidity of it all. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, it's like being 14 again, but supposedly being a grown up. <laughs> so you're going down to Devon. You're doing two nights. You're doing a night before and a night after, which I'm a massive fan of, by the way. <laughs> if you've got but the I, time, I, do it. <laughs> and the money, obviously. But I think a double day. What I'd really like to do is do a, a, a day of sort of amazing driven, Devon-driven shooting. And then the next day, do a, a proper walked-up, rough, with your dogs, just everybody. It doesn't matter if your dog's rubbish at, at being a gun dog or just a big daft lump it doesn't really matter but you're all there with your dogs and your and your best mates i think i couldn't imagine a better way to go and incidentally if when i die i'd love to have my ashes packed into a cartridge and then all those mates go and do a favorite drive and just wallop me out over that that would be what a nice <laughs> idea Oh, it just sounds, I mean, the, except the last bit, but, you know, you know, the, the whole concept of what you said just sounds absolutely amazing. And I, I agree. It's, it doesn't really get any better than that, does it? I don't think so. I've not had any better than that, I don't think. And, you know, some of the most unlikely days have turned out to be the best. And, you know, we had eight people the other day walking around Exbury with two dogs. And, um, and we shot 12 birds in three hours or something. Honestly, it was one of the best days I'd had all year. It's just, all about how you approach it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's a, a leading contender as far as desert island shootings go. I really like it. <laughs> Very good. Well, Toby, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been no, interesting. It's been fun. It's been great having you on. Yeah, and thank you. And best of luck with the Grenadier and, and when you get to launch. I'm so excited to see how you get on. Yeah, well, I will keep you posted because, um, you know, I think it's, uh, well, thank you for all your support as well because you, it's, you've been a, a massive part of it. And um, yeah, ho hopefully we'll we'll continue with this, and uh, we'll be able to get you actually driving them properly. Seeing the, yeah. the first production ones are off off the line now, so oh, very oh, wow. the pre-production ones. So we'll be able to get those soon, and we can go and monkey around with them. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to be a part of it because it's you know it's so exciting, and our, and our readers, you know, we see the click-through rates. People are genuinely really interested. So it's oh, good, good. Well, thank you. Right, so before we go, as per usual, there is one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve or by sending us your unpopular opinions or your shooting heroes. Just send us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we read it out in the next episode or any future episode, we will send you some garters. On the subject of heroism, as another reminder that you, nominations are open for the Ineos Grenadier Countryside Champion Award. As I said, I'll put a link in the description so you can nominate the person or people you think deserve the reward, uh, the award, I should say. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. But until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.